Section twenty five of Monsieur Lecoq, Part One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Don Evans. Monsieur Lecoq by Emile Gabriel, Part One, Section twenty five. Lecoq was a man of considerable forethought. Hence, before going to bed, he took good care to wind up his alarm so that it might wake him at six o'clock. With that to warn us, he remarked to his companion as he blew out the candle, there need be no fear of our missing the coach. He had not, however, made allowance for his own extreme weariness or for the soporific effect of the alcoholic fumes with which his comrade's breath was redolent. When six o'clock struck at the church of Saint-Eustache, the young detective's alarm resounded faithfully enough, with a loud and protracted whirr. Shrill and sonorous as was the sound, it failed, however, to break the heavy sleep of the two detectives. They would indeed in all probability have continued slumbering for several hours longer if, at half-past seven, a sturdy fist had not begun to rap loudly at the door. With one bound, Lecoq was out of bed, amazed at seeing the bright sunlight, and furious at the futility of his precautions. "'Come in!' he cried to his early visitor. He had no enemies to fear, and could, without danger, sleep with his door unlocked. In response to his call, Father Papillon's shrewd face peered into the room. "'Ah, it is my worthy coachman!' exclaimed Lecoq. "'Is there anything new?' "'Excuse me, but it's the old affair that brings me here,' replied our eccentric friend, the cabman. "'You know, the thirty francs those wretched women paid me. Really, I shan't sleep in peace till you have worked off the amount by using my vehicle. Our drive yesterday lasted two hours and a half, which, according to the regular fare, would be worth a hundred sous. So, you see, I've still more than twelve hours at your disposal.' Oh, that is all nonsense, my friend. Possibly, but I am responsible for it, and if you won't use my cab, I've sworn to spend those twelve hours waiting outside your door. So now make up your mind. He gazed at Lecoq beseechingly, and it was evident that a refusal would wound him keenly. Very well, replied Lecoq. I will take you for the morning, only I ought to warn you that we are starting on a long journey." oh cocotte's legs may be relied upon my companion and myself have business in your own neighborhood it is absolutely necessary for us to find the widow chupin's daughter-in-law and i hope we shall be able to obtain her address from the police commissary of the district where the poivriere is situated very well we will go wherever you wish i am at your orders a few moments later they were on their way Papillon's features wore an air of self-satisfied pride as, sitting erect on his box, he cracked his whip and encouraged the nimble cocotte. The vehicle could not have got over the ground more rapidly if its driver had been promised a hundred sous gratuity. Father Absinthe alone was sad. He had been forgiven by Lecoq, but he could not forget that he, an old police agent, had been duped as easily as if he had been some ignorant provincial. The thought was humiliating, and then, in addition, he had been fool enough to reveal the secret plans of the prosecution. 
he knew but too well that this act of folly had doubled the difficulties of lecoq's task the long drive in father papillon's cab was not a fruitless one the secretary of the commissary of police for the thirteenth arrondissement informed lecoq that polite chupin's wife lived with her child in the suburbs in the rue de la Boutique. he could not indicate the precise number but he described the house and gave them some information concerning its occupants the widow chupin's daughter-in-law a native of auvergne had been bitterly punished for preferring a rakish parisian ragmuffin to one of the grimy charcoal burners of the puy de dome she was hardly more than twelve years of age when she first came to paris and obtained employment in a large factory after ten years privation and constant toil she had managed to amass sou by sou the sum of three thousand francs then her evil genius threw polite chupin across her path she fell in love with this dissipated selfish rascal and he married her for the sake of her little hoard as long as the money lasted that is for some three or four months matters went on pleasantly enough but as soon as the last franc had been spent polite left his wife and complacently resumed his former life of idleness thieving and debauchery when at times he returned home it was merely with the view of robbing his wife of what little money she might have saved in the meanwhile and periodically she uncomplainingly allowed him to despoil her of the last penny of her earnings horrible to relate this unworthy rascal even tried to trade on her good looks here however he met with a strenuous resistance a resistance which excited not merely his own ire but also the hatred of the villain's mother that old hag the widow chupin the result was that polite's wife was subjected to such incessant cruelty and persecution that one night she was forced to fly with only the rags that covered her the chupins mother and son believed perhaps that starvation would affect what their horrible threats and insidious counsel had failed to accomplish their shameful expectations were not however gratified in mentioning these facts to lecoq the commissary secretary added that they had become widely known and that the unfortunate creature's force of character had won for her general respect among those she frequented moreover she was known by the nickname of toinon the virtuous a rather vulgar but at all events sincere tribute to her worth grateful for this information lecoq returned to the cab the rue de la Boudicai, whither papillon was now directed to drive proved to be very unlike the boulevard malzerbe and one brief glance sufficed to show that opulence had not here fixed its abode luck seemed for the moment to have turned in lecoq's favor at all events when he and father absinthe alighted at the corner of the street it so happened that the very first person the young detective questioned concerning the virtuous toinon was well acquainted with her whereabouts the house in which she resided was pointed out and lecoq was instructed to go upstairs to the top floor and knock at the door in front of him with such precise directions the two detectives speedily reached madame polite chupin's abode this proved to be a cold and gloomy attic of medium size windowless but provided with a small skylight a straw pallet a broken table two chairs and a few plain kitchen utensils constituted the sole appointments of this miserable garret 
but in spite of the occupant's evident poverty everything was neat and clean and to use a forcible expression that fell from father absinthe one could have eaten off the floor the two detectives entered and found a woman busily engaged in making a heavy linen sack she was seated in the centre of the room directly under the skylight so that the sun's rays might fall upon her work at the sight of two strangers she half rose from her chair surprised and perhaps a little frightened but when lecoq had explained that they desired a few moments conversation with her she gave up her own seat and drawing the second chair from a corner invited both detectives to sit down lecoq complied but father absinthe declared that he preferred to remain standing with a single glance lecoq took an inventory of the humble abode and so to speak appraised the woman she was short stout and of commonplace appearance her forehead was extremely low being crowned by a forest of coarse black hair while the expression of her large black eyes set very close together recalled the look of patient resignation one so often detects in ill-treated and neglected animals possibly in former days she might have possessed that fleeting attraction called the beauté du didable but now she looked almost as old as her wretched mother-in-law sorrow and privation excessive toil and ill-treatment had imparted to her face a livid hue reddening her eyes and stamping deep furrows round about her temples still there was an attribute of native honesty about her which even the foul atmosphere in which she had been compelled to live had not sufficed to taint her little boy furnished a striking contrast he was pale and puny his eyes gleamed with a phosphorescent brilliancy and his hair was of a faded flaxen tint one little circumstance attracted both detectives attention if the mother was attired in an old thin faded calico dress the child was warmly clad in stout woolen material madam you have doubtless heard of a dreadful crime committed in your mother-in-law's establishment began lecoq in a soft voice alas yes sir replied Toinon, the virtuous quickly adding but my husband could not have been implicated in it since he is in prison did not this objection forestalling as it were suspicion betray the most horrible apprehensions yes i'm aware of that replied lecoq polite was arrested a fortnight ago yes and very unjustly sir replied the neglected wife he was led astray by his companions wicked desperate men he is so weak when he has taken a glass of wine that they can do whatever they like with him if he were only left to himself he would not harm a child you have only to look at him as she spoke the virtuous toinon turned her red and swollen eyes to a miserable photograph hanging against the wall this blotchy smudge portrayed an exceedingly ugly dissipated-looking young man afflicted with a terrible squint and whose repulsive mouth was partially concealed by a faint moustache this rake of the barrieres was polite chopin and yet despite his unprepossessing aspect there was no mistaking the fact that this unfortunate woman loved him had always loved him besides he was her husband a moment's silence followed her indication of the portrait an act which clearly revealed how deeply she worshipped her persecutor and during this pause the attic door slowly and softly opened not of itself however for suddenly a man's head peered in 
the intruder whoever he was instantly withdrew uttering as he did so a low exclamation the door was swiftly closed again the key which had been left on the outside grated in the lock and the occupants of the garret could hear hurried steps descending the stairs lecoq was sitting with his back to the door and could not therefore see the intruder's face quickly as he had turned he had failed to see who it was and yet he was far from being surprised at the incident intuition explained its meaning that must have been the accomplice he cried thanks to his position father absinthe had seen the man's face yes said he yes it was the same man who made me drink with him yesterday with a bound both detectives threw themselves against the door exhausting their strength in vain attempts to open it it resisted all their efforts for it was of solid oak having been purchased by the landlord from some public building in process of demolition and it was moreover furnished with a strong and massive fastening help us cried father absinthe to the woman who stood petrified with astonishment give us a bar a piece of iron a nail anything the younger man was making frantic efforts to push back the bolt or to force the lock from the wood he was wild with rage at last having succeeded in forcing the door open they dashed out in pursuit of their mysterious adversary on reaching the street they eagerly questioned the bystanders having described the man as best they could they found two persons who had seen him enter the house of toinon the virtuous and a third who had seen him as he left some children who were playing in the middle of the street added that he had run off in the direction of the rue du moulin de pre as fast as his legs could carry him it was in this street near the corner of the rue du la Boudicay, that lecoq had left old papillon waiting with a cab let us hasten there proposed father absinthe perhaps papillon can give us some information but lecoq shook his head despondently he would go no further it would be of no use he said he had sufficient presence of mind to turn the key in the lock and that saved him he is at least ten minutes in advance of us and we should never overtake him father absinthe could not restrain his anger he looked upon this mysterious accomplice who had so cruelly duped him as a personal enemy and he would willingly have given a month's pay to be able to lay his hand on his shoulder lecoq was quite as angry as his subordinate and his vanity was likewise wounded he felt however that coolness and deliberation were necessary yes said he thoughtfully he's a shrewd and daring fellow a perfect demon he doesn't remain idle if we are working he's at work too no matter what side i turn i find him on the defensive he foiled you, papa, in your effort to obtain a clue concerning Gustave's identity, and he made me appear a fool in arranging that little comedy at the Hotel de Marienburg. His diligence has been wonderful. He has hitherto been in advance of us everywhere, and this fact explains the failures that have attended all my efforts. Here we arrive before him, but if he came here, it was because he scented danger. Hence we may hope. Now, let us get back and question Polite's wife. Alas, poor Toinon the Virtuous did not understand the affair at all. She had remained upstairs, holding her child by the hand, and leaning over the baluster, her mind in great perplexity, and her eyes and ears on the alert. As soon as she perceived the two detectives coming up the stairs again, she hastened down to meet them. "'In the name of heaven! What does all this mean?' she asked. "'Whatever has happened?' But Lecoq was not the man to tell his business on a landing, with inquisitive ears all around him. 
and before he answered Twinon, he made her go up into her own garret and securely close the door. "'We started in pursuit of a man who is implicated in the murders at the Poivriere,' he said, "'one who came here hoping to find you alone, who was frightened at seeing us.' "'A murderer?' faltered Twinon, with clasped hands. "'What could he want of me?' who knows it is very probable that he is one of your husband's friends oh sir why did you not tell me just now that polite had some very undesirable acquaintances but don't be alarmed this does not compromise him in the least besides you can very easily clear him of all suspicion how in what way oh tell me at once merely by answering me frankly and by assisting me to find the guilty party now among your husband's friends don't you know any who might be capable of such a deed give me the names of his acquaintances the poor woman's hesitation was evident undoubtedly she had been present at many sinister cabals and had been threatened with terrible punishment if she dared to disclose the plans formed by polite or his associates you have nothing to fear said lecoq encouragingly and i promise you no one shall ever know that you have told me a word very probably you can tell me nothing more than i know already i have heard a great deal about your former life and the brutality with which polite and his mother have treated you my husband has never treated me brutally said the young woman indignantly besides that matter would only concern myself and your mother-in-law well she is perhaps a trifle quick-tempered but in reality she has a good heart then if you were so happy at the widow chupin's house why did you fly from it twinon the virtuous turned scarlet to the very roots of her hair i left for other reasons she replied there were always a great many drunken men about the house and sometimes when i was alone some of them tried to carry their pleasantry too far you may say that i have a solid fist of my own and that i am quite capable of protecting myself that's true but while i was away one day some fellows were wicked enough to make this child drink to such an excess that when i came home i found him as stiff and cold as if he were dead it was necessary to fetch a doctor or else she suddenly paused her eyes dilated from red she turned livid and in a hoarse unnatural voice she cried toto wretched child lecoq looked behind him and shuddered he understood everything this child not yet five years old had stolen up behind him and ferreting in the pockets of his overcoat had rifled them of their contents oh well yes exclaimed the unfortunate mother bursting into tears that's how it was directly the child was out of my sight they used to take him into town they took him into the crowded streets and taught him to pick people's pockets and bring them everything he could lay his hands on if the child was detected they were angry with him and beat him and if he succeeded they gave him a sou to buy some sweets and kept what he had taken the luckless twinon hid her face in her hands and sobbed in an almost unintelligible voice ah, i do not wish my little one to be a thief but what this poor creature did not tell was that the man who had led the child out into the streets to teach him to steal was his own father and her husband the ruffian polite chopin the two detectives plainly understood however that such was the case and the father's crime was so horrible and the woman's grief so great that familiar as they were with all the phases of crime their very hearts were touched 
Lecoq's main thought, however, was to shorten this painful scene. The poor mother's emotion was a sufficient guarantee of her sincerity. Listen, said he, with affected harshness, two questions only, and then I will leave you. Was there a man named Gustave among the frequenters of the Poivriere? No, sir, I'm quite sure there wasn't. Very well, but La Chenure. You must know La Chenure. Yes, sir, I know him. The young police agent could not repress an exclamation of delight. At last, thought he, I have a clue that may lead me to the truth. What kind of man is he? he asked with intense anxiety. Oh, he's not at all like the other men who come to drink at my mother-in-law's shop. I've only seen him once, but I remember him perfectly. It was on a Sunday. He was in a cab, and he stopped at the corner of the waste ground and spoke to Polite. When he went away, my husband said to me, Do you see that old man there? He will make all our fortunes. I thought him a very respectable-looking gentleman. That's enough, interrupted Lecoq. Now it is necessary for you to tell the investigating magistrate all you know about him. I have a cab downstairs. Take your child with you, if you like, but make haste. Come, come quickly. End of section 25. Recording by Don Evans. www.donmevans.com.